Please be seated. I don't know if you've ever had the experience when God has answered a prayer in a rather surprising way. And I guess if we had time for testimony this morning and I was to open the meeting up, I guess that several of you could be on your feet to think about times when God has surprisingly answered a prayer that you've made, when surprisingly a door is opened or an opportunity is opened or a problem was solved or, or whatever because God actually intervened in your life. If you haven't had that experience, then a word of warning. Be careful what you pray for. You never know. We're dealing with a God of surprises. And the big surprise is the God of the universe who put the stars in place is actually interested in your life and my life. He's actually interested in just the little ordinary things that, that we do. And the prayer we're looking at is an example of uh, a small but significant prayer that was made in Scripture. It's happened to Elijah, didn't it? Remember when Elijah actually went to God and said, God, you've got to do something. All these people, as well as worshipping Yahweh, the true God of Israel, are also worshipping other gods, the gods of the, the Baals and the Asherahs. God, you've got to do something about it. And God's reply to Elijah was, you're right. We've got to do something about it. Oh, and by the way, Elijah... You're part of my plan. And poor old Elijah had to go up Mount Carmel and meet the prophets of Baal and pray that God would send down fire in that moment. So be careful what you pray for. You might be in the middle of God's plan. Well, we've so far seen in this little but amazing prayer that Jabez asked God to bless him. And last week we uh, went on to the second part of the prayer, which was that God would enlarge his territory. In other words, enlarge his influence, enlarge his responsibilities. God, would you bless me and would you actually give me more responsibility to be your child, to be your worker? Lord, Lord, would you give me this? And we know at the end of the prayer, it says, and God answered his prayer. God said yes to his request. So we can be sure that God did bless Jabez, that God did actually enlarge his territory, enlarge his sphere of influence and responsibility. So it's quite, um, it, it's quite uh, ordinary and, and expected that we should go on to our next part of the prayer now, which is asking God for his help. Let's look at the prayer once again, shall we? Here it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. We read that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. In the first two messages of this four-part series, we, we then thought about how God would bless Jabez and how God would enlarge his territory. Now we come to the part, point where Jabez must have surely said to himself, oh, oh God, what have I let myself in for? What a big prayer that I've made. And so we come to this third message when Jabez petitions God, let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. 
Jabez realizing that that his real heartfelt prayer to God meant that Jabez suddenly had to become less dependent upon himself and his own strength and more dependent upon God, which is why I've also called this uh, message this morning a prayer for dependence, to be dependent upon, in Jabez's case, the God of Israel. Reality was setting in for Jabez. He prayed this big prayer, and God had said to him, Okay, Jabez, you're on. And now Jabez was faced with an imaginable task that lay before him. And so it was only natural that, that Jabez should pray this prayer now, that the Lord's hand would be upon him, that he would not go forward on his own, but that his, his hand would be upon him. The kind of prayer we pray for Sarah this morning as she steps out into the unknown, that the Lord's hand will be upon him. That, that wonderful verse um, that, that you read from uh, Joshua, uh, to, to be confident uh, to, to go out, uh, as Joshua was about to do, into the promised land. He needed God to be with him. And Jabez realized that for himself in this prayer, that he needed to be fully dependent upon his God. A real petition from the heart that the hand of God would be upon him. Have you ever been in those situations like that? Situations like Jabez and like Elijah, that you've felt overawed, by what confronts you, that the issues, the problems, the difficulties, the tasks are more than you. God, this is more than me. God, why is this ahead of me? This is more than I can, I can ask. And the Bible reminds us that actually it is perfectly okay for Christians to actually feel that way. And it's perfectly natural that we should pray similar prayers to Jabez, that the hand of the Lord might be upon me. In fact, that phrase is used on numerous occasions in the Bible, that the hand of the Lord was upon this person, upon this situation. And so this morning, I want to consider three aspects of this phrase, because it's what we preachers do. We love three main heads. And so I'm going to give you three aspects of this prayer this morning. First of all is this one. That God's hand, His hand, gives strength. As Christians, we will find out sooner rather than later that we cannot do kingdom work in our own strength. It's impossible to do spiritual work with human hands. The, the loaves and the fishes in the hand of the little boy was, was only multiplied when that gift was placed in the hands of Jesus. And then it was blessed. Can you imagine a little boy tried to do that himself out of his own hands? Perhaps the first roy so he might be fed, and that would have been it. Only because it passed through the hands of Jesus was that, um, was that gift multiplied and blessed in the way that it, uh, it, it happened with that crowd of 5,000. And very often, we too will find ourselves in a situation where our human strength, our human hands are not enough. And how often do we sometimes say, without God, I could not do this. I, I've heard some of you testify privately and, and even within this hall that without God, I could not have done this. When Joshua brought the Israelites back into the land that God had promised them, a miracle took place. Just as God had parted the Red Sea uh, for Moses, 
now got part of the river Jordan for Joshua. Once they traveled through the parted river Jordan, they arrived at the place called Gilgal. And there they set up stones, a kind of, um, a, kind of a monument, a kind of a bit of a cenotaph for themselves. And we read in Scripture that Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up, and I'm quoting here from Scripture, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And then Joshua went on to say, this is in chapter 4, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The Israelites did not enter the promised land by their own human strength, but by the powerful, mighty hand of the Lord that was upon them. You see the, the hand of the Lord in the New Testament too. After the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, we see, of course, those 120 followers in the upper room. There they were frightened, cowering in this upper room, not knowing what to do next, when suddenly on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came down and empowered these followers. And it was only then that the Lord empowered these followers of Jesus to start to build up the, the first century church. And we read that the number of converts daily grew. And Luke summarizes phenomenal growth like this. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. It wasn't in their own strength. Their own strength, they were weak. They were, they were cowering. They were, they were nothing. But in God's strength, with the power of the Spirit, and with the Lord's hand upon them, they could go and build the church. And Christians who dare to step out in faith will know what it, it, is, what it, it is like to be totally and fully reliant upon the hand of the Lord. And that's why, as I've said, I've called this message a prayer for dependence. We need to be wholly and totally dependent upon God. As Christians, we should feel that we can't do this without God. As God's people, we are expected to attempt things so large that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. Christians who have been met with challenges beyond themselves know what it is like to, to pray the Jabez prayer, oh, that your hand will be upon me. And maybe some of us need to pray that prayer here this morning, that in this situation, dear Lord, we need your hand, we want your hand, we, we petition you for your hand to be upon us. Secondly, his hand gives support. The supporting hand of the Lord is with us from the very day, of course, the Lord laid his hand upon us. Some of us would have come, no doubt, to this mercy seat. So I guess Sarah did all those years ago, and many more uh, since. That the, land, the Lord lays his hand upon us, and right from the time we, we become Christians, we receive that support, and figuratively speaking, the hand of the Lord is laid upon us. The prophet Isaiah acknowledged this. He writes, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, 
that it cannot hear. The Lord's hand reaches out to save us. And in a real sense, when we become Christians, the Lord's hand has reached out and touched each one of us and saved us. The Lord heard our cry. The Lord heard our petition. The Lord heard our, our, our cry for forgiveness and saw our tears and stretched out his hand of support to us. And that support has been with us from that moment. We acknowledge that we are totally and fully dependent upon him. St. Paul also acknowledged this when writing to the church in Corinth. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our sufficiency comes from God. Dr. Bruce Wilkinson uh, is the founder of Walk Through the Bible. I have the privilege of conducting a number of Walk Through the Bible seminars. And Dr. Bruce Wilkinson uh, tells a story of a time when his children were younger and he took his uh, son to a park which had three slides. There was a small slide, a medium slide, and a big slide. Immediately, the little son went up to the small slide, went up the steps and whizzed down the small slide. Then he graduated to the medium-sized slide and he went up and just paused for a moment and then he slid down the medium size slide. You try saying that. Until eventually the sun got to the, the big slide and he started to climb up the steps of the slide. And even before he got to the top, he looked back to make sure his dad was still there. And he climbed right to the very top and sat there and froze. And some parents here will notice like when your child does that until eventually the son turns back to his dad and says, Daddy, help me. This is too big for me. And so his dad clambers up the slide and maneuvers his son between his legs. And so with his son between his legs, the dad, dad slides down the big slide and they go zipping down together. And down at the bottom, they both laugh together and enjoy that moment. But it's a lovely picture, isn't it, of the father coming alongside the son giving that support, giving that encouragement, and at the end being able to celebrate a little victory together. And you know, God wants to climb with us. He wants to put his hand upon us. He wants to, to, put, he wants to put his arms around us, no matter how big the challenges are that are before us. A verse in our songbook testifies, what though the treacherous road may wind, faith in the heart assures my mind, E'en when his face I do not see, the hand of Jesus reaches me. And finally, his hand gives success. There are too many failed and defeated Christians because they do it alone when the hand of the Lord is within reach. Remember what's happened in Judges chapter 6? And of course, the prayer of Jabez came in that period of the Judges. And we read in Judges chapter 7 that the judge Gideon fought a battle against the Midianites. It's always easy to remember, isn't it, that Gideon fought Midian. It rhymes. And uh, Gideon fought this battle against the Midianites. But do you know what's happened? Gideon had, a, had an, arm, arm, uh, an army of 20,000 men. But God reduced uh, his army. Well, actually, it was 32,000. Then it became 20,000. But the Lord reduced it even further to 10,000. And then even more to just 300 men 
and then God said to Gideon, okay Gideon, off you go. And we're told in Scripture that the reason that God did this was for this reason. In order that Israel may not boast against me that in her own strength she has saved her. So in other words, they want, God wants to realize that the battle they won not in human strength, but the battle was the Lord's. And it was because the hand of the Lord was upon them that they won the battle. No wonder Gideon lay down a fleece. How terrifying it was to go into battle with just 300 men against the mighty, um, mighty Midianites. And when God's hand upon us, he will bring success to He will bring us through those battles too. He, he will bring those, us through those problems. But the real problem is, is that we have too much strength we call our own. We tend to rely upon our own sufficiency. We've, when we face challenges, we only see it through our human eyes, our own inadequacies and limitations. Instead, we need to remind ourselves that His his love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary, known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. King David, in facing his challenges, had to come to that point of being totally dependent upon being in the Lord's hand. Here we read later on in 1 Chronicles, words of David. He says, God, I'm in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for His mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Again, a real heartfelt petition from King David that he might be in the hand of the Lord. And that's where we need to be. Maybe that's where some of you need to be this morning, in the hand of the Lord, receiving His protection and care and strength and grace to do His work and to live for him. We cannot do it alone. We cannot be called to follow Jesus and then to go off as if we were not followers of him and do it in our own strength. Jesus was not kidding, neither was he exaggerating when he said to his followers, without me you can do nothing. Without the Lord, we can do nothing that is of value to Him and to His kingdom. But with the Lord's hand, we can have the strength and we can have the support and we can be successful in our walk and in our work for the Master. We love to sing it, but the truth of these words is important for us to, re to remember as I conclude this message this morning. I'll go in the strength of the Lord in paths he has marked for my feet. I'll follow the light of his word, nor shrink from the dangers I meet. His presence my, sh my steps shall attend, his fullness my wants shall supply. On him till my journey shall end, my unwavering faith shall rely. This message is for all of us this morning, but this message may be particularly for you this morning, that the hand of the Lord is upon you however you need that hand, for healing, for comfort, support, for a decision that needs to be made. I pray fervently as I pray for myself that this morning the hand of the Lord will be upon each one of us. Amen.